Welcome to the Risky Fox Show, brought to you by the Risky Fox, where we talk about marketing, content creation, and growth. Check out one of our other shows, Control Chaos, as well, where we sit down with content creators and talk to them about how they do what they do and all the adversity that they face and how they navigate it. Where can they find the show? Um, they can follow us at the Risky Fox or go to www.theriskyfox.com. I like that you put the www there for everyone. You, we, you know, some people forget that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And with that, let's begin. So, Gudgeon, last time we chatted, yep. you were about to board the plane to LA, right? Yes. Super Bowl weekend. Yes. How'd you feel about that Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, so every Super Bowl, uh, my friend and I, we pick one of the competing cities and we, we just be a fan for the weekend. You know, we have teams that we actually are fans of, but then for that weekend... We adopt a city, and this one was L.A. We've been to New England, uh, Boston before. So we were rooting for the Rams. Uh, it Ooh. was an interesting game. Um, a lot of people called it boring. I don't know. Okay, maybe it was a little bit boring, but it was, it was you know, there was some good defense being played. It was a def- def- defensive masterclass. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of punting, you got to see an <laughs> exhibition, an exhibition in punting. So overall, listen, I, I just enjoy you know, going to these hometowns and seeing people celebrate their team in whatever cap- capacity until they lose. So, yeah. So do you, are you a fan of the Patriots? I am not a fan of the team. However, I am a fan of them as an organization and what they've been able to do. And I, and, and I, have, a, I have an appreciation for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and what they're able to achieve over the last 17 years. And like some people are saying like this was Bill Belichick's coaching masterpiece because he you could really see him talking to the defense mm-hmm. during this Super Bowl out of all Super Bowls, right? Could you, as like a football fan, kind of appreciate that? Oh, yeah. I have a, a huge amount of appreciation for what he did, what Tom Brady did, and really what the team did. And, you know, even looking at what Amendola and Edelman were, about, uh, were able to achieve, Burkhead really had a showing. Like, a lot of these players that, you know, the media kind of wrote off or assumed that they were, you know, kind of done with. Uh, they were able to adapt and, and, and to, to navigate, you know, not even just that game, but the playoffs and the season in entirety and get another victory. Six-time champions. The key word there is adapt. Yeah. Right? And that's something that from sports to marketing to content creation, some people do so easily, mm-hmm. but some people really struggle. Because, yeah. you know, once you find success yeah. the first time, you think that, hey, this is the formula. And if I repeat this, I'm guaranteed success every single other time yeah but can you tell me is that true no i I really it's i think this idea of trying to find the secret formula formula to create uh whether it's dope content or an amazing product whatever it may be i don't know if that should be the goal i think what really it should be about is the ability to overcome adversity to navigate change and to do that with a level head and, and, and stay humble throughout that process. I mean, really, I mean, we're going to talk about this in detail, and you can ask me all the questions you want to ask, and just feel free to interrupt me. But, you know, to cultivate an ability to navigate, you know, difficult waters, right? And to see it through, see a project through from beginning to end in those unpredictable environments, that's something that's a transferable skill to almost anything that you do. You know, if, if you can mentally mentally prepare yourself to overcome adversity and change and deal with that, man, that's a skill that's really worthwhile to have, especially whether you look at your professional environment or your side hustle or even in relationships. 
something that often goes ignored. You know, people are looking for shortcuts. People are looking for quick ways to make a, an amazing thing or a product, whatever it may be. But really, the ability to change, to adapt, to experiment even, that's something that often gets lost or forgotten. So on your content creation journey, you're probably like, hey, I picked up this photography thing. I ain't, I ain't half bad at it, mm-hmm. right? Do you recall the first time you were humbled because of your, I, like, for lack of a better word, let's call it ego. That, yeah. hey, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I should be really good at this. When was the first time your ego got checked? <laughs> it's hard to say the first time because it's happened so many times. Uh, but early on, especially my photography career, you know, going to gigs, whether it was concerts where I started or even weddings, I'll go to the concerts one where, you know, I take these pictures and in my eyes, they were amazing shots. They were these iconic shots of, you know, whether it was Kid Cudi or, or Killer Mike or uh, Ghostface or Jizza or Ooh. Drake early on. Um, I thought these were amazing pieces of content uh, and I got humbled pretty quick. And whether it was people saying, no, it's not good or not getting any notoriety or not being paid for them uh, or people saying they're not what they're looking for or using this in my portfolio to try and book other gigs. And they're like, sorry, we don't actually like the look, whatever it may be. Um, I'm happy I got humbled early on. You know what I mean? I took a, I don't want to call it risk, but you know, to, to put myself out there and to get that feedback, I'm not saying I navigated them those the feedback at the time, well, uh, you know, this stuff comes with experience, but I got humbled often. And, you know, I'm glad that it happened early for me because it allowed me to gain a better perspective and really be a little bit more honest with my own self and develop a more critical way of looking at my own work and also measuring success, right? I think the, what often gets lost is that people are trying to create these amazing pieces and they focus on that. I like to look at the growth between project one and project two, how much better have you gotten? And relish in that. Like that should be something that you, 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 you beat off to or whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> but that should be the thing that excites you. You know, I don't look at any of my pictures or any of my video projects and I don't get that sort of high. I really don't, whether it's good or bad. I don't get this experience where I look at a piece of product that I made and feel like I've just made a masterpiece. No, I actually prefer and, and seek out looking at the growth, the delta between two projects. And when I see that there's been a big learning, uh, a, a big amount of learning happening between two projects, that, that makes me excited. That is what keeps me going and makes me even hungrier. You know, we worked on a project uh, where we did a shoot for you know, a charity event. You know, we, we, it was a paid gig, but we went to shoot a charity event and we took some pictures and you were there. And, you know, you're learning this stuff too. So as you come into the Risky Fox brand, like you're getting more experience to do these things you've never done before. So you come there, you see how the setup, you do the shots, you look at the picture like, oh, cool. Like this is nice. I've never seen this side of it. Then we went and did like a fitness oriented shoot. And I oh. remember your reaction, but then you saw like, holy crap, like you can shape light to create images that look amazing in the camera, right? Like you were there. And then you saw us do another shoot with uh, two musical talents. And you saw the pictures that were being produced again in camera before we even go to the laptop and start editing it. But I would say when you looked at those three events, 
the learning, the delta between those three events was pretty big. And like, that's what excites me. You know, I'll look at the picture from our fitness shoot. I'll look at the picture that we had from our uh, shoot what we did with the two musical artists. And they're nice, I guess. Like, you know, great, we made that. But what excites me more, what elicits a more of a response is looking back and relishing the fact that we learned so much between those two projects. And those two projects were one week apart, December 16th, December 22nd. You know, one week or a couple of days before Christmas. You're telling me our schedules were free and we were having fun that time? No, we, we were still doing our nine to fives and doing all this stuff. But even in that one week, we learned so many lessons. We got better. We produced things that were, in my eyes, haven't been done before, right? In, in, in a certain way, not like truly innovative, but just in a certain way. And like, so going back to how content creators do it, it's like, the, the general trend is, oh, yeah, like Peter McKinnon has his style. You know, Casey Neistat has his style, his yeah. style, his style. Yeah. You know, it even goes to movies, right? Like when you walk into a Rajini movie, you know what to expect, mm-hmm. right? From It's like <clears throat> going back to the sports analogy. You would expect, oh, it's the Patriots. We know what to expect. Right. But no, what we don't see is the fact that they game plan. You know, you know how you said that that week from like, point from that that project a week ago to the project now like how much game planning you've done how much you've learned yeah that like change how do you like do you see that as hey i failed during the last time let me improve this time or do you see it as hey i i did a great job last time as long as i can you know emulate that i'm good right right Right? is that is that do you like i feel like content content creators like they find that when you say for example Banana Boys episode five mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. our first like viral moment where a ton of people shared it, yep. received a lot of feedback. Yep. And we were like, you know, we could have easily, you know, hung ourselves on our laurels and be and been like, hey, dope episode. Yep. We just gotta we just gotta emulate this every week and yeah. we're good. Yeah. Right. And I feel like like a part of us got that confidence that hey, we can emulate that. Yeah. And then episode six was a dud. Yeah. In our eyes. In our eyes. In our eyes, yeah. in our, in our eyes it was a dud. Yeah. Right. What was the first time that you've, you've ever been humbled by your failure to not deliver on something because of, no, not because of not knowing how, right. to, how to deliver, but because you thought that you could deliver? Um, I, you know, it was, it was often times where early on, uh, this is probably going into like wedding photography and that kind of stuff, because I was... I, I like to think that I'm good at portraiture work and when I have control over the environment and all that kind of stuff. But early on, one of my weaknesses was being dynamic. You know, when a wedding is going on, getting iconic shots. And I'm all about those iconic shots. And, uh, you know, there was an event where I didn't get that. And I don't want to say the client was disappointed, but they were almost like, oh, I, I saw what you did at our engagement and what you did, you know, shooting us in our intimate moments. But I don't see that same sort of, you know, excitement in the wedding sort of procession uh, and that kind of stuff. And that was hard because they, they even said it in a nice way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was hard. And it was just one of those things where it's like I really just swallowed it like a bitter pill and, you know, asked myself, well, how do I get better? 
right? How do I get better? Uh, and that was a big thing for me is like, just stop taking criticism as, you know, someone else's just opinion because, you know, or, or something that's meaningless or, you know, because you think you're so full of yourself, whatever. No, find the truth. Take away the tone of something, whatever, however it's delivered and find the truth that's there. And what can you learn from that? So if you're asking me first time I've been humbled by a failure, uh, similar to the first question you asked, but a little bit different. Um, really, it, w- it was when I was in the wedding industry and doing that kind of thing, being honest with myself that I actually needed to get better at several things that I couldn't just rest on my laurels, like you said, and my ability to do good portrait work and expect that to carry me through other types of shoots and other kinds of things. So, I mean, that would be that example. And if I can kind of just like explore on this and kind of expand on, on that as well, really it's about striving to be better every single, in every single capacity that you can be in, right? So, you know, whether it is photography, videography, podcasting, business, or your even nine to five job, whatever it is, why not be hungry to get better in every opportunity you can? Like, why not aspire to grow, to, to just outwork everyone? Again, in a way that's conducive for healthy, for uh, a good mental health. You know, I don't, I don't want to come across as this person that's like, you know, you got to work 18 hours a day and, you know, wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go to bed at like 12 a.m. No, like, what I'm just saying is that try to get better. And I told you this before, whether it's by an inch or by a mile, just get better. Move the needle. Move the needle little by little and just get better. So you've gone through, you know, failures burnt you. You've had success. You've had great success, right? Uh, I don't know about how great. I mean, you're, like, no, like, you're way too kind. You're way too kind to me on this show. Like just, just having success in general, right? Yeah. It brings us like we're presented with, you know, opportunities and yeah. challenges, yeah. right? For like a young person, right? Yeah. Who's, who's beginning their content creation journey, whether they're, starting a photography, podcasting, anything. Yeah. There's certain times where it's like, oh my gosh, I just got hit with the wedding gig. I'm yeah. a photographer. I just started off. Yeah. I have to take it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you, like, how do you navigate whether you should take, you should, you know, you should pursue an opportunity mm-hmm. or whether you should kind of be like, hey, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Maybe yeah. I'm not ready for this right now. Yeah. Because most of the, most of the people get caught up in, I don't want to lose this chance. Yeah. And forget that, hey, for, and they totally forget about, am I ready for this chance? Am I, I, I just, I just started fighting, right? I just started training. Am I ready to go to get in the ring and right. fight a real MMA fight? Right, right. Right. I just, I just learned, I just, I just got my G1. Yeah. Can I, am I, am I ready? Just because I know how to drive, am I ready to go hop on the highway? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. How do you, as a content creator, yeah. understand, okay. I can take this next step right now. I'm yeah. ready for this next step. I can handle the adversity and the challenges that come with this next step. Yeah. Or, hey, maybe I, should, maybe I should work on A, B, and C before I, you know. Continue. You have a way of asking these long-winded and really complex questions. I'm like, shit, where do I begin? Like, how do I answer this? Um, so let me kind of dissect what you say and kind of give you an answer. In your especially when you're like in your late teens and early 20s and whatever creative endeavor that you're doing, look to be in in a place or in a situation where a lot of learning can happen. 
you know, so what I tell people is often do a lot of experimentation, try to figure out. So if you're a photographer, do different kinds of photography as well and try to put yourself in environments to learn from others. And this is the part of the job where sometimes you're going to have to work for free. Sometimes you're going to have to do gigs that you're not a fan of. Sometimes you're just going to have to bite the bullet, suck up your ego and be an assistant for someone else and learn these lessons, right? As much as you can experiment and practice and try to cultivate a variety of experiences that allow you to get better perspective than when you originally had. You know, if a gig comes up and someone says, hey, can you do this? This is the budget, blah, 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 blah. Early on, you should look at ways to say yes. You know, if you can find a way to generate some sort of income and actually uh, do a creative project and get some reps in, find a way to say yes. Early on, I don't think you should be so caught up in budgets and the exact dollar figures. And, you know, there's people that are going to disagree with me, whatever it may be. But when you're just starting off, you need to look at the time that you're investing right now, the luxury of free time that you have, that you actually might already have a roof over your head. Someone else is paying the mortgage. Someone else is feeding you and you don't have to take care of all these bills. Take advantage of that time to work for free sometimes to work at, you know, barely making cost or for things that you don't may not enjoy as much. You have to do certain things that you might not love. And that'll give you a better understanding of what you truly love and why. Right? Sorry, you want to jump in? Has there ever been a moment for you where you're like, yo, I just, I spend so much time. Yeah. I just, and I just realized I don't fucking love this. Yeah. I need to stop doing this. Plenty of times. I mean, the simple answer is yes, right? Like, especially early on. But those experiences, I still learned from them. Uh, And in a simple way, I learned that I don't like them and what I actually do like, right? Doing wedding photography for so long, I realized, like, that's not what I want to make a career out of. It's just not for me incredibly lucrative but putting those reps in i was able to you know thrive under that pressure learn a lot learn how to run a business learn how to turn a profit and manage my own pnl on on the side but also learn that you know what it can't be just about the money like i i need to be able to do something that i also love but also can generate an income and be hungry about that as well and it's easy to get lost in hey this is where the money's at you know this is going to keep this is going to keep the ship afloat this is going to keep everything moving but what do you like what do you do in those moments when you spent so much time in something you know developing your craft and you realize hey this is not for me or most importantly hey i do not enjoy this right do you do you like do you go back to square one yeah what do you do do you like do you try to pivot or do you just say hey i'm just gonna stick to this i'm really good at this stop you right there you fucking pivot and you move on to something else like i said when you're, especially in your late teens and your 20s, engage in experimentation and be unafraid to start from scratch again and again and again until you find what truly motivates you and what brings you the most sense of satisfaction. So many people get caught up in, I want to be an influencer. I want to get the followers. I want to become famous. I want companies to send me products without really asking themselves, why? Why do you want to do any of that stuff? 
And that's a difficult conversation for a lot of people to have. And I think a lot of people are not ready for, right? I think there's something to be said about trying to find a dream job. Whether you're the boss or you're working for someone else, there's something about that. I would argue you don't know what that is until you've gone through shit and did things that you absolutely hated and realize that you have to kind of put your ego in check sometimes. You know what I mean? I really believe that we live in in, in a place where people have these talents and these skills and they often waste them on frivolous things that are meaningless, that are truly meaningless. You know, if you look at our brand, for example, on the Risky Fox. It's not like we're influencers by any means, right? We collectively, between the three accounts that we share, you know, maybe a couple thousand collective followers, no big deal. But we are putting out content every single week. We are growing at a rate that's faster than most people. You know, our shows are growing at a couple hundred listeners per month. We're growing our YouTube channel about 250 to 300 subscribers a month. It's being monetized pretty quickly. Um, we're getting gigs and, and, and jobs that we love to do. You know, look at the shoots that we're doing now. These aren't, you know, just random things. These are the things that we love to do. We're getting things that we want to go and start brainstorming over and creating dope content around. None of this happens if we weren't humbled and, and really honest with ourselves to say, you know what? Let's just start from scratch and do this whole thing all over again because it's not working. Was there ever a moment where you were like unsure of yourself and had to take a leap of faith? Yeah, uh, m- multiple times. I mean, let me give you an give example. Me, give, me, give me one iconic example. Like the first example that must have popped into your head as I, as I asked you this question. Uh, it would probably be me transitioning and giving up wedding photography and telling myself that I want to be a content creator. And my mantra is, to, is all about creativity shared. That was a leap of faith. Because when you start to say, you know, I'm going to turn down, you know, five figures of extra revenue per year, you know, outside of my job, like I have my full-time job in the creative field, and then another five figures of like extra revenue for my family, I'm going to turn that down to go and pursue something else. That's a pretty big fucking leaf of faith. You know what I mean? Um, that, that was probably the one, like when, as you said it, like that's what, what comes to mind. Was there ever a leap of faith that you were like, hey, maybe I shouldn't have done that and I should have waited or maybe I shouldn't have even done that at all? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's micro examples and it often comes back to like me just having poor judgment on partnerships I've made or people that I should have collaborated with and that kind of thing. Where it's just like, damn, like, I should have known better. You know what I mean? And this has cost me either time, resources, or money for whatever reason it may have been. Because it's like content creators mm-hmm. and organizations, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking big companies and talking content creators in general, right? There's, there's a lot of similarities you could draw there. Yeah. Big companies are often caught being very complacent. Yeah. Known content creators, people who have been, who've done, who've done something for a long time, I've known to become complacent. And we take it as, hey, that's just their style. Yeah. Or, hey, this is just how they do it. They do, and it's often, we're often caught with that line of, hey, they do what they do so well that people are just going to like it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Do you think that as a content creator, if I'm saying, Gadget, you shoot YouTube videos so well. Your style is your style, right? Your interview style, your podcasting style, it is your style. Do you, do you see that as, hey, I'm going to stick to this and I'm going to be good and I'm going to be fucking dope out what I'm doing because I've got, I've locked it in. I've got the formula or yeah. do you see it as, hey, this is dope, but how can I improve? Yeah. You compliment me too much in questions. I feel like uh, going forward, you need to be more critical of me and be devil's advocate. <laughs> so <laughs> people are going to get sick of you just saying nice things about the stuff that I do. Um, yeah, like at the end of the day, uh, everything that I'm dabbling in and working on, whether it's the podcasting, the videos, the interviews, and all this kind of stuff is serving a bigger goal. I'm working on skills today that are going to be incredibly useful 10, 15 years from now when I ultimately see through my, my big long-term goal, right? That's, that's one thing. But as I do these things, I want to put myself in precarious positions. I want to put myself in uncharted territory. I want to do shoots and projects that I've never done before. And you hear me talk about this all the time. Every photo shoot I do, I mean, listen, I'm going I'm to actually flip up Instagram right now and I actually want to record this um, so people can see me put on my story as we do this and people are watching the story. I'm going to hit record over here, but every single photo shoot that I do, I want it to be something I've never done before, something that's different from the last photo shoot that I did, something that is truly terrifying. When I work with, whether it's someone that's an athlete or an Olympian or a rapper or a singer or a professional model or, you know, a former Miss Universe, whatever it may be. When I plan those shoots from a sketch on a napkin to the sketches that I send you from my iPad, I am putting myself in a position where a part of me is fucking terrified. You know what I mean? And the reason, the reason that I do that is simply because, oh, hold on. Hold on here. See, people are getting the reverb right now. I apologize, guys. Listen, this is multitasking at its finest. Unfortunately, we don't have our third person here to help with the camera. But yeah, sorry. The reason I do that is I've learned that once you've cultivated that ability, like I talked about earlier in the show, to navigate change, to deal with obstacles, to again, navigate treacherous waters, you can handle this sort of terrifying experience. And I say it in quotes because again, your life is not in danger. But again, once you've cultivated that skill and you put yourself in these positions over and over and over again, you learn so much from shoot one to shoot two, right? When people ask me, do you feel like you have your style lined up? I'm like, I, I don't think so. I don't think I have a style yet. I'm trying to get there. But what I do have is a certain work ethic and attitude where every single time I approach a photography project, I am trying to do something I've never done before that I have not seen in other kinds of imagery you know, as much as possible. And again, scare myself in a way that I'm forced to innovate and learn. And I, and I prepare as much as I can, but in that moment, I'm going to have to, you know, be nimble, like you said. I will tell you right now, for those of you that are listening, try to embody this in what you create. You know, you can't do it as much when you're being paid. You might cut down on the risk, right? If it is a paid gig, because you do have certain deliverables. But this comes back to, again, what are you doing in your free time? What's the content that you're creating that's for yourself, what are maybe 
some collaborations and partnerships that you're doing that people would say, you know, it's free. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing in that, in those opportunities? Terrify yourself. When you have nothing to lose, especially, fucking put yourself in a precarious position where all the lights are on you and your team to deliver something truly outstanding and see what happens. And be prepared to take the L if that happens. But like Gary Vee says, that's your L. Fuck everybody else. That's your L. You wear that like a fucking badge of honor and you move forward. You've learned those lessons. Take that and move forward. What room, when, you, when you're like, when you're like, yo, take the risk. What came to mind first was when I first met you. Um, actually, before I even met you, um, your brother, one of my good friends, Nissan. Mm-hmm. Um, what he said was, my brother shoots with a Nikon. Right? Mm-hmm. You were through and through a Nikon boy. Yeah. A Nikon man. You learned that camera system. You like you you were I'm 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 assuming you you knew you knew the ins and outs of a Nikon. Yeah. Right? But then when you when you shifted to Henry's, you you literally sold all your Nikon equipment and yeah. moved to an quote, and I'm like using air quotes here, yeah. a dated system in in Fuji, yeah. who was just like now kind of catching up or kind of like trying to find their niche amongst these giants of Canon, Nikon. Yeah. Um, that's a huge, that's a huge risk, right? What, like what the hell was going on in your mind? Cause you're yeah. someone like m- normally content creators, let alone like photographers, videographers, yeah. people who use a camera as a device. Yeah. They are so, so bought in, bought into a one system and not willing to even, try or even like play around with another system yeah let alone sell all their equipment that they've been using for like how many years were you using yeah. your nikon equipment yeah. I mean, right over a decade yeah over a decade yeah. and then go completely 360 mm-hmm. and buy another like an, a whole another system yeah what the hell was that about yeah so we can use the backdrop of gear to kind of talk about this in general but when you're looking at you know this is the way i look at it looking at your tools looking at your resources look to find efficiencies Okay, my end goal is not to be an ambassador for Nikon Canada. My amba- I'm not looking to be an ambassador for Fuji, you know, North America, whatever it is. I have goals to, to, to hit. You know, I have deliverables to execute on. You know, for me is I want to take dope pictures and make that process as easy as possible. Like sometimes people glorify this oh my God, it took me 15 hours to get this shot and I spent 17 hours editing. Motherfucker, I don't want to. You know, I don't yeah. want to. <laughs> I, might ha- I might have to, but I don't want to. So I am always open to looking for efficiencies in everything that I do. You know, I've built my own sort of time management and project management system for myself, which allows me to get more done because of the ineff- uh, uh, sorry, efficiencies there. I take, you know, a couple of hours in the last week of the month to plan my next month. I've built these systems, again, to be efficient so that I'm not thinking, you know, day to day, what am I doing the next day? I already know. I plan my week every Sunday. So when it comes to cameras and gear, I love Nikon because it served a purpose. Delivered. Amazing. Then I saw Fuji come up and they started offering things that, in my eyes, allowed me to get to a finished product faster. So. I bought a camera, Fuji X-T2, tested it out at my son's birthday. I'm like, okay, this is not perfect, but I bet if I can build the right solution around this, this would allow me to get work done faster and get to the end result that I'm looking for faster. 
So I was willing to just trade that in a heartbeat, put in the time and effort to learn that system to become as much as possible a master of that system and use that moving forward. I don't care. I don't have any allegiance to them other than they solve my problem really well now. You know, I, I also have a Sony system that I dabbled in as well, and it ended up not being as great as I thought it would be for the work this, I do. Mind you, it was an entry-level Sony. It was not. It was not. It was a higher-end one with, again, that's a totally different conversation. But when I look at people that get lost in their solutions and they live by like, they live and die by this brand kind of thing, I get very wary of that. Like, it really seems like snake oil salesman because, again, I've tried all of them. I found what worked for me and I know why it works for me. When you start to adopt certain things and you just, you know, almost become brainwashed in a way, you got to be careful of that. And it's not just the gear, but just in a lot of things in general, even your ideologies. Like, are you so left wing that you're unwilling to even hear some right wing ideologies or vice versa, right? Be open to conversation, to dialogue, to change and hear these things out and test things out. Again, we, we, we're kind of hitting a lot of the same things that we start, talked about earlier, but there's so much to be learned through this sort of experimentation and you never know where you're going to end up. If you asked me five years ago, hey, what do you think about shooting Fuji? I never would have guessed that I would switch my whole system to that. But you ask me now and I'm like, I just can't imagine doing what I do on anything else. Because I've been down this road, if you told me in 10 years I'm going to be shooting on a different system, I'm like, yeah, it might be possible. You know, it might be possible that Canon releases something and I switch over to that because it allows me to do my job even easier. I don't want to make my job hard. I want to, again, put myself in precarious uh, situations and, 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 put my, and terrify myself, not to make it unnecessarily difficult with the tools and resources. No, I want to make that stuff easy so that I give more time, to, I give more capacity to my mental you know, bandwidth to solve more creative problems. You know what I mean? So I want to take this conversation from this little topic of, you know, you switching camera systems. Yeah. And you literally said, I don't want to make my job hard. I want to make it easier. Right? A lot of companies take that line, they sum it up into one word and they mm. call it innovation. Yeah. Right? The biggest example of a company that refused to innovate, refused to embrace that change yeah. was Blockbuster, right? Mm -hmm. Blockbuster, the video rental business, yep. your local video store. They were the kings of video rentals, right? Yep. And just like how Kodak used to be a huge photography like brand with film, Blockbuster's downfall was solely and mainly due to its slow reaction to coping up with its new competitors in the digital age, right? The new like at the time, you know, we had our Netflixes, we had Redbox. They all offered their consumers like a bunch of different solutions when it came to like renting videos, like streaming, delivering DVDs to your home. Um, and there were many moments where Blockbuster had its, had its chance to still retain its spot. You know, they had mm -hmm. a chance to partner with Netflix, but they chose not to, yeah. right? And now, like, what did we learn? We learned like, from, from their downfall, their eventual downfall, that we learned that, hey, competition is healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now we're seeing companies like Canon who are so into, hey, full-frame DSLR. This is the way to go. This is photography. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is digital photography. This is digital photography. Mm -hmm. You know what? Mirrorless cameras can't do what a full-frame camera can do. Mm -hmm. And now they're releasing the Sony EOS R 
Canon EOS. Yeah, sorry, the uh, Canon EOS R. And rumored to have another one in the pipeline. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Their first mirrorless solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a moment where you, right? So bringing this back from mm-hmm. like big companies and, you know, actual consumer products yeah. back to content creation. And there's so many different trends, right? Yeah. You know, as content creators, we see um, different types of video, different types of photography. Yeah. You know, there's travel photography, there's landscape photography, there's concert photography, there's portrait photography, there's so many types of photography. Yeah. There's different like trends, yeah. right? Was there like you as a person, mm-hmm. as a content creator, mm-hmm. was there ever a trend? Was there ever something that you thought, hey, I don't, I don't know if this is going to catch on. Mm. But then eventually did, and you were like, then you were the one catching up to what caught on. Uh, probably Instagram in general, right? Really? I mean, I was on that app, like, I got to say, the day or the day after it released on the App Store. Um, and I, I, I remember early on, like, I should be investing time in this. I, I can cultivate something. I can leverage what I was doing at the time and tell a good narrative. And, you know, I had ideas. We're talking really early on, right? Like early 2000, 2000 the aughts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but having my portfolio on Instagram and having this journal, and I look back like, damn, I really should have kept up with it. I ended up just leaving Instagram and being gone for like years and years and then coming back to it now and all that kind of stuff. And YouTube was another thing. I was on YouTube in 2008, you know, and I was, you know, gaining steam and gaining subscribers early on. Like we're talking before MKBHD, talking about, again, technology and gear and all this kind of stuff. And I think I mentioned in a previous episode, you know, I failed to innovate and, and, and be persistent then. You know what I mean? But that's okay. Like at the end of the day, I learned the lesson from that. And I guess this is the, the, the part of the show, like we're trying to or I'm trying to kind of share these stories with the hope that someone listening might take these and be motivated to go and innovate and do these things as well, right? But, you know, I don't look back at it in a resentful way because those lessons have allowed me to cultivate the projects that we're doing now and grow the way that we're doing. And let's bring that to something where I knew something was going to be right and we saw it through, and that's the Banana Boys. You remember this. You remember the passion and excitement I had when I pitched the idea of Banana Boys to you. And you and my brother were kind of like, uh, should we do this? Can we wait? I'm like, no, we are going to record this thing. We're going to record a couple of episodes. We're going to put them out and we're going to give it on a regular basis. And when you guys say, hey, can we push the recording? I'm like, no, 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 we're not pushing the recording. We're doing this. And look at how that grew. That was the fastest growing show that we had. It has the biggest following of any of the shows that we have. Imagine so. if you waited. Exactly. Exactly. So I'll be honest, like, I, I don't know. There's no simple way to answer what you were asking. Um, but if I can sort of attempt to simplify it, look to, if, look to find, and this is tying back to the previous question as well, look to find efficiency, efficiencies in the workflows to make that process easier so that you can challenge yourself in other ways and be innovative in other areas. I don't want to be innovative in how I use my camera. You know, I hold it, I press the button, I know where the buttons are, I know where the switches and dials are. Like, that shouldn't be innovation for me. I shouldn't feel like I need to innovate that. No, I just need to know how to use it. Like a chef knows how to use his knife or a, uh, a samurai knows how to use a katana. I just need to know how to use that. I don't want to innovate there. I want to innovate in the actual process of 
creating that image in other ways, how I shape light, how I pose models, how we interact and the energy and the atmosphere we create. That's where I want to innovate, right? So what is that to you? You know, to you yourself and the listeners that are listening, what does that translate to you, right? If, if you are, I don't know, maybe you want to be a makeup influencer, right? Find efficiencies in you producing the content. You know, whether it's creating a little corner of your house that you're going to record in, it's someone else in charge of editing the content. Like find efficiencies there so that you can be innovative elsewhere. Ooh. Finding efficiencies. I feel like that, that, that's your mantra. I, Always <laughs> efficiencies, finding some way to do something quickly, finding a better solution. Really? I mean, I, I guess it comes back to like, look at your side hustle as a business. Treat it as a business. You know, if you had a business and you were throwing, you know, $1,000 of labor hours a week at it, you would expect a return on that investment at some point in time, correct? Yeah. So look at the banana boys. We throw in, you know, two hours of work amongst the three of us every two weeks. Throw in another hour for me to edit that. Throw in the cost of actually hosting and all that kind of stuff, right? So we're talking about, you know, every month, a few hundred dollars of, you know, not even a few hundred, several hundred dollars of labor hours. I, I should treat that. I should give it the respect to treat it like a business. What is the return on that business? We're putting all this time, all this effort. What's the return of that? Okay, so we're getting 100 listeners per episode. Fantastic. That's amazing. From episode one to episode nine, I need to be able to look back, almost like a quarterly review, and say, have we gotten more efficient? I think you would say yes. You know, we've found ways to streamline our communication. We found ways to think of topics and have the, uh, you know, certain talking points outlined faster. And this is, and again, this doesn't mean that we work less. You would actually argue the opposite. We've been working more. You know why? Because we've made the process of recording, editing, and publishing easier so we can allocate that freed up time to engaging our audience where we talk to people. We respond to every comment, every DM. We, we give shout outs to people. You know, we reallocate that elsewhere. So again, finding efficiencies it comes back to treating your side hustle, your creative passion as a business. Businesses always have to grow. 100%. And be pragmatic about it, right? These, these, this is why like, so many of these side hustles fail and it doesn't turn into anything and people get down on themselves. You didn't give it the respect it, de- it deserves. You simply did not give the respect that it deserves. If you treated it as a business person, if you treated it at, you know, treated yourself as an employee of your business, of your business. Not, yeah. You yeah. would have seen a better return on your investment because you would have been working to earn that money. hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Just having it naturally come your way. I mean, that can be an episode in itself. And I can kind of talk about, you know, tips and tricks around that kind of stuff and business strategies around that. But Really, you know, this show is all about rabbit holes and talking and just me trying to answer your questions as best as possible. But yeah. So we come back to like coming full circle with this, right? We talked about understanding, you know, 
um, your failures, uh, t- whether you should take risks or not, when to take risks, opportunities, understanding opportunities. How do you now, as someone who's gone through, you know, you've been burned, you've like, you've, you've taken risks, you've, you've fallen headfirst. How do you now, as a content creator, know, okay, this opportunity is, the right, is, is right for me right now. This is something I should pursue. Okay, this partnership is something that, you know, I see value in. Mm-hmm. How can, like, how do you, uh, how do you know yeah. what, what is right and what is wrong? And how do you go, go about making that decision with all this experience? Um, looking at opportunities, whether it's a gig, whether it's a partnership or a collaboration, um, whatever it may be, the first thing I look at is, does it serve my long-term purpose? You know, I, we talk about this all the time where I tell you what, you know, you, lo- you know what my long-term goal is yeah. decades from now. So the first thing I do is, does this serve that in some capacity? Like, is, whether it's a learning opportunity or whether it's monetary, where it can, you know, accelerate us to garner some resources that allow us to produce content better, faster, what, or, or, you know, and whatever it may be. That's the first thing I want to find out. Does it serve the purpose? Yes or no? If someone comes to me and says, hey, can you shoot my wedding? That arguably is not going to serve my purpose nine times out of ten. Yeah. Because I've learned the lessons there. I've experienced that. I know I don't love that kind of experience. There can be reasons why I'm persuaded, depending on, you know, maybe the client is a close friend or relative, whatever it may be, or, you know, maybe it's an interesting kind of shoot or whatever. Again, that's why that, there's that one out of 10 chance where it might happen. You might tempt me to come be back in the yeah. ring, right? But uh, it doesn't serve the purpose. It simply doesn't. Let's say there's an opportunity that does. It does serve the purpose. Then I go back to looking my time as a limited resource and knowing what I know about how much time it takes to produce certain products and all those efficiencies that I built, can I sacrifice this limited resource? to do this project. Yeah. I'll give you an example. So, you know, if I'm invited to speak at an event, for example, you know, I, I speak at conferences for my business and other business that I've done and all that kind of stuff. Someone comes up to me, hey, can you speak at this event? It's not a paid gig, but, you know, we'd love to have you talk to, you know, a bunch of people about the things that you do. That does serve my purpose. My ability to get better at speaking in public, to force myself to create engaging content and compelling content, uh, well, makes my skills better, puts me in front of a new audience where potentially I have a conversion rate on them, on those people following my journey in other things, you know, whether it's the podcast, the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff, Um, potentially meeting and networking with a single person or individual that might be even more fruitful in a relationship where they might be hiring us for something. You never know where these opportunities come from, right? Um, and, and when I look at my time and limited resource, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty good at PowerPoint and Keynote. I'm very good at, I like to think, at talking and presenting and those kind of things. And I've made enough failures in my past that I can put together a pretty decent slide deck. So I look at my time and I'm like, okay, this works. It serves my higher purpose. And based on my limited resource, I can allocate the, the, the content and material here to see this through. And that's what makes it a yes. Right? And I think that you can apply this to yourself or anyone listening to the show. 
the hard part is figuring out what that higher purpose is. But once you figure that out, everything else becomes a lot easier. And then again, when you're looking at your time and how much is involved, that just comes back to honesty. Be honest with yourself, right? Don't bite off more than you can chew. But at the same time, prepare to humble yourself and terrify yourself because you're going to learn a lot as well. So it's a tricky balance. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm just giving like, you know, oxymorons here. Yeah. It, it is balance and nuance between the two. So pretty much it. Find efficiencies that save time so you can innovate. Right? Yeah. So you're not just stuck churning out the same stuff, doing the same thing, being complacent. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. It's, you know, take the risks. Take those leaps of faith, you know, if, if, you're, if you're terrified of, a, of like a project or an opportunity, mm-hmm. that A means you probably care about doing well at it, so you probably will succeed at it. Yeah. And yeah. B, um, maybe it's, it's also a self-reflection point of, you know, am I truly where I want to be at this moment in time? Yeah. Right? And also, when you are taking these opportunities, understand that the theme of the show is purpose, right? Yeah. So. Understand that if your opportunity serves your A, serves your bigger purpose, and B, if it improves anything for you, right? Yeah. Whether it's like a soft skill, whether it's a technical skill, whether it's a learning opportunity, whether yeah. it's, you know, um, monetary yeah. uh, to get more resources, just take a moment and reflect on whether this is bettering you mm. in any way that, again, serves that higher purpose right? exactly exactly and with that our conversation has now come to a close thank you all for listening um we hope to see you again hope you liked it uh leave us a review yep. um and you know follow gadget at gadget ballin or follow at the risky fox you know so you can um stay in touch with us and all our other shows fantastic thank you all for listening thank you cheers <laughs>